Hi, everyone, and welcome to Tom Sawyer Tuesday, January 7th, 2018. How many of us are convinced that we have something absolutely brilliant to share with the world, and that the hands of time have been tying us up for too long, that we are just done, fed up, and disgusted, that for too long our best has been withheld, and our magical gifts kept behind closed doors like Eucharists in the tabernacle? This week, I would like to explore the fascinating yet frustrating side of procrastination. Why is it that the simple things that could bring us the greatest joy are the ones we put off doing the most? And why is it that we link pleasure to opening the refrigerator instead of typing the novel that could, would, will inspire millions to take action in their own lives? Are we not fulfilled more by giving than receiving? Inspiring more than being inspired? Is there any logic to why we go on putting off the actualization of our highest desires instead of facing them with full force? This New Year's Eve, my love and I arrived to Chicago after driving back through a blizzard from New York. White-knuckling it through slushy roads and whiteouts at 20 miles per hour, I kept hearing a voice call to me. Tell your story, it said. I turned to my love and said, I'm going to turn the closet into my office. The Metropolitan Club is great, but there's too many distractions, and the work I'm being called to do this year is going to require a higher level of focus, I said. Arriving home, we prepared to greet the new year with a new focus. I stripped the closet of all the clothes and carefully examined the skeletal structure so unique to the space I had once sculpted to look like the bow cabin of a sailboat with a bunk and desk perched in the corner. While currently the closet had been housing my tools inside of a filing cabinet, now half full of clothes, documents, and carpentry tools, my design brain revved with excitement to take the next steps. In the corner of the closet, I found three oars from my rowboat. I looked at them and then carefully examined the ceiling underneath my loft. Why don't I just build a closet here in the living room and hang our clothes from these oars? Huh? she said. Staring straight ahead and mentally building the oars into the loft, I nodded, proceeding without verbal communication. I had slipped into that zone I spent roughly two years inside of building the studio apartment into a quasi-eight-room boathouse years before. It felt like drinking glacial water I hadn't tasted for years since the last great expedition, building. I mounted the oars, rehung the clothes, and rearranged the closet. Books now lived on the shelf where that once housed my toolbox, and a sliding glass cabinet now sat nestled in the space where clothing once hung. Inside stood ten sets of promotional cards for my various current endeavors, including a couple of my very first walk-and-talk journals I'd ever made. I continued decorating this space with all of the love, energy, and nourishment I knew I would need to create the next level. And just to top it off, I relocated my great my grandfather's stereo cassette deck and turntable on top of the sliding glass cabinet. This year I decided to finally listen to all of these motivational cassettes my friend and owner of the Armadillos Pillow, a famous used bookstore in Chicago, had gifted me. They're examples of writers who spend the majority of their time locking themselves in the bathroom to write, and plenty more I can't name doing other strange things. But are such activities really so strange? If it were... If we were to think about it, do you think more brilliant ideas have been harvested from large spaces or small spaces, with many people or few people, with closed minds or open minds? What will we do differently this year to dislodge the pit of brilliance in our being, to release it with intention out into the world without doing so harmfully?
and raise a toast to others to support them to do the same. Is it any surprise that knowing someone who has done something you're trying to do makes it easier? That seeing it happen for them demystifies the process for you? What proof are you looking for? Do you need to know that it is possible for you as well? According to Martha Washington, the greater part of our happiness or misery depends on dispositions and not on our circumstances. We carry the seeds of the one or the other about with us in our minds wherever we go. Yesterday we spent the evening at the gym and in the sauna. While many people lifted weights, spent, sped along on treadmills, and climbed their way into the sky, I laid down quietly on a yoga mat. Shakti Gawain in Creative Visualization talks about spending time in contemplation. If it's true that all of life first begins in the mind, would it not make sense to become masterful with our thoughts, to be impeccable with our emotions, and meditative with our intentions? Is it not probable that in learning to move from this place that we can begin to mobilize our highest desires with immense ease? When we learn to exist from this place, nothing will seem hard, impossible, or unreasonable. Perhaps for this reason, we have the desire to undertake and achieve insurmountable feats, to bring us into a state of, well, enlightenment. What space are you ready to create to manifest your brilliance and what will it take to keep you there long enough to birth whatever contribution you're ready to manifest this year? Yours truly, Nathan. Get lost to find yourself. And as always, thank you for listening.